It's a Monday edition of Locked On Heat on today's show. It's our end-of-season superlatives episode. We'll be joined by SI's Rohan Ned Carney to hand out this season's awards. Who was most improved? Who was most disappointing? Who was most valuable? We'll get to all of that and more. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. Now let's get to the show. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a credentialed writer covering the NBA for The Step Back, and I write for the Miami Heat's tip-off magazine. You can find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. Now I'm David Ramillo, credentialed NBA writer who has covered the Heat for SB Nation and allyoucanheat.com. I cover the league at large for Fansided, and you can follow me and my writing on Twitter at dramill13. We'll be joined here in a minute by Sports Illustrated's The Crossover's Rohan Nadkarni friend of the program. He joined us last season for our end of season superlatives episode. We switched up some of the awards this time around and we'll hand those out as the regular season comes to a close and the playoffs are set to begin unlike last year. Yeah, it's always a good time to be able to kind of take stock of what happened this season and give some fun awards there. Uh, We were pretty much aligned in our thinking for many of them, but there was a couple of interesting selections there from all three of us there. So it's definitely a good listen worth your time. We're going to post the uh, list of awards that we handed out on the uh, on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash LockedOnHeat, so you can check them out there. Uh, and let us know on Twitter or via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com if you guys agree or disagree with those awards or, or what you would have selected for those. Feel free to just do them, fill out your own ballot and send them to us. We'd love to, to see them. And if we get enough, maybe we'll uh, do a reaction episode or something. When, if we get enough of them, we can kind of go through them and 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 read maybe the best arguments. Uh, That might be sort of fun. But without further ado, uh, here is our end of season superlatives episode with Sports Illustrated's Rohan Nadkarni. Enjoy. What's becoming an annual tradition on the Locked on Heat podcast, we have Rohan Nadkarni of Sports Illustrated's The Crossover to do our end of season superlatives. Rohan, do you remember doing this with us last year? I honestly did it until this very moment. So I'm honored (laughs) be back on i'm glad we're starting a new tradition here it's it's like festivus we're trying to forget it every year (laughs) so i remembered i remembered doing this this sort of end of season superlatives themed show at the end of last season and i went back in our like podcast archive to go find it and i realized oh crap we had rohan on for that too so i i suppose this is just going to be an annual tradition so i'm going to pencil you in for next year already um I picked Dion Waiters for every award last year. Actually, that was David. <laughs> um, and, and deservedly so. Yes. Unfortunately, Dion Waiters uh, was injured for all, all season. So this is going to be a little bit more challenging this time around. We switched up the categories a little bit from last year. And we're going to – let's get right into it. Let's start with the most flames on fire performance. In other words, the Dion Waiters Award. Rohan, let's start with you. Who is your most flames on fire performance? So for me, it's got to be Kelly Olynyk in Boston, uh, the career-high performance. Obviously, you know, they've, they've had, you know, Wayne's had some big shooting games here and there. But when you consider the circumstances, I mean, Olynyk's first game back in Boston since signing with the Heat as a free agent. Beyond that, I mean, no one played that night. Like, the Heat could barely field an NBA roster. They had no business winning that game. You know, obviously it came down to Kyrie missing a shot at the end, but Olenek's dunk, you know, the Heat's final points of the night, just a perfect explanation for what was a nuts performance. So I got to recognize Olenek there. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. That is actually the game that I had as well. Uh, you know, 32 points, a career high, and he did it in a number of ways. 
I think it was just the moment itself also. It wasn't perhaps as significant as when they ended their the, the Boston 16-game win streak. But at the same time, I still think this was a really big move for Miami just to be able to knock off a really good Boston team that at that point I think had the best record in the in, in the league, if not the, at least the Eastern Conference. So um, it's just a huge moment for him, kind of showed what he's capable of. And, you know, on the flip side, kind of shows that he's not always as consistent as we'd like. But at the same time, just showed a lot of gumption from Kelly Olenek, something that I really appreciate. He made six of his eight three-pointers in that game. That's insane. And then yeah. to Rohan's point, that 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 dunk at the end on the uh, the fake dribble handoff, which has become like Kelly Olynyk's James Harden step-back signature move is the fake dribble handoff to dunk um, situation. I've got the same thing. It's got to be Olynyk. It's funny. I was looking at what we did last year for best single-game performance. Um, David, you had Dion Waiters versus the Warriors. Um, Rohan, you had James Johnson's um, game versus Charlotte to end the season. I had Whiteside's 30-20-3 and block game versus <laughs> Philadelphia. But we all picked Olenek, which is kind of funny. That That is the most Flames on-fire performance of the year. So congratulations, Kelly Olenek, on winning the Dion Waiters Award. Our next one is Best Couple or the Order the Fish Award. So, <laughs> Rohan, let's start with you. Uh, I got to go with Dwayne and Udonis, man. It's just so great to see them back together, you know, toasting to 15 years in the league, uh, having the champagne after that last game of the regular season. Uh, You know, they always talked about finishing their careers together. I hope it's not their last year. I hope they both come back for one more season. Obviously, that's a conversation for a different time. But I got to go with Dwayne and Udonis, man. It's just classic. There's just something about seeing them together that feels right. Those two guys are the two guys that should always be on the same team. So they're my pick. David, what do you think? I went a little different. I like the the UD uh, and, and Wade combination. Obviously, that's very heartwarming to see. But I, I went with the one that's been there all year long. They came in the league together. For me, it's got to be Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow. The way they just talk about each other and the way they support each other, even recently when, when Josh was asked what one of the defining moments of the season was, he said there were so many of them, but he pointed out how consistent Justice has been from a basketball standpoint and just watching the work he's put in and him being able to be healthy. Like he's so supportive of his friend uh, and fellow rookie from 2015. It's just great to see. To me, that is the best couple on the Heat right now. You got to love the bro love there, man. I, I, just Rook one and Rook two, always sticking it together. Um, look, I, I had to go somewhere with Dwayne Wade just because there was so much emotion in there. Uh, I thought about... Dwayne Wade and Udonis Haslam, that that popping Vuv Clicquot in the in the locker room after the 82nd game of the season, almost had me going there. I had Dwayne Wade and Pat Riley penciled in because I like the redemption story. You break up, or you're together forever. You break up for a little bit, and you know you're on a break. You, Dwayne Wade, you know, messed around with a couple of different people, came back to Pat Riley. I love the the get back together story. It's like a happy ending. But I've got to go with Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union. I'm sorry, but I've got to go there because. I don't think Gabrielle Union gets enough credit for bringing Wade back to Miami. I think every, the entire story here is that uh, in Cleveland, it wasn't quite working out with Dwayne Wade, even if he was coming off the bench, and they needed to shake things up a little bit. They needed to mix up that locker room and change the chemistry in there. And LeBron approached Dwayne Wade with this idea and said, look, if you're cool with it, let's do it. And Dwayne Wade said, yeah. But the missing part in that story, and this is me guessing, but the missing part in that story is Dwayne Wade going back to Gabrielle Union at home and be like, Gabs, this is what's going on. She's like, you mean we can get the hell out of Cleveland? I'm in. Let's do this. So I think Gabrielle Union had a lot more to do with convincing Wade to go back, for, to go from Cleveland where he might have had a title chance to Miami where he doesn't necessarily have that. 
I think Gabrielle Union has to get a lot of credit for that. Plus, she Instagrammed uh, from the private plan that they took. Um, she posted on Instagram Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade's reaction to coming back home to Miami. For that, she gets bonus points. So I've got for the best couple slash the Order of the Fish Award, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union. Um, I didn't know we could go non-basketball for that one. That seems like cheating. I don't know how you the, feel about it. I, 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 say there I, I mean, look, the couple's been uh, highly scrutinized, to say the least, this year. So, I mean, there have been some uh, rumors about uh, certain activities taking place between the two. So the fact that you would go out of the roster like that to a non-basketball basketball person, I'm a little surprised, Wes. I, I don't know. I, I'll allow it just because it's such a positive moment overall. But I, I don't know. It's, it, feel, it does feel like cheating. I don't like you guys. Um, I, 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 I'm going to leave this up to our, our Twitter fan faithful. Uh, maybe they'll maybe they'll yell at me too. Uh, most entertaining slash the Tim Hardaway Award. Who do we got? I got James Johnson, which oh. is maybe a controversial pick. And here's why. You know, I think as a Heat fan, we've been spoiled with the championships a little bit, and it's changed my perspective on how I view – each season. All I can ask for as a fan is an entertaining team. And what entertains me about James Johnson is that he never takes a possession off. Does he make some ill-advised turnovers? Does he pump fake out of maybe too many threes? Sure. But when I look at him, I see someone who is trying his hardest on every position. I wish every player on the team could harness his energy. I just love watching him play. He is offended every time another team makes a shot. Like he he can't stand to see the ball go into the basket when he's on defense. I love watching players like James Johnson. I'm glad he's on my team. You know, when people say, why is he getting so much playing time in the fourth? It's because he's leaving it on the floor every night. I just love watching that guy play. That's a good choice. Although there have been some moments there to question whether or not it's entertaining so much. It's just wildly chaotic. But for me, I, I went with Kelly Olenek. Um, I, I think the expectations might have been so low for, for me, for Kelly, that he's surpassed those so easily, and that's what makes him so entertaining. But the fake dribble handoffs, the fact that he can put the ball down on the floor, his passing in the low post, uh, and, of course, his perimeter shooting, all those things. Plus, he, you know, with the long hair and the goatee, he just he looks like a 90s grunge uh, you know, musician. So you kind of – I don't know. That's just the kind of music that I like listening to at that point in time. So to be honest with you – He kind of looks like the drummer from Nirvana. He kind of, he kind of, Dave Grohl, yeah. I mean, I could see a little Dave oh, Grohl. Oh, not Dave Grohl, the bass player. I'm sorry, the bass player. Oh, that guy. No, no. And I'm thinking more like Mike McCready from Pearl Jam, but that's a oh, whole other yeah. story. <laughs> uh, either way, I just, I, there's something about that burrito eating mother effort that I just really like watching. <laughs> um, Olenek's a great pick. I love his dribble handoff situation. I can watch Olenek run the offense to dribble handoffs from the elbow all day long. Uh, James Johnson, I like the pick defensively. Offensively, he, that, that kind of I, I scratched my head a little bit. But kind of the same guy. I almost went Dwayne Wade here just because it's Dwayne Wade. How it can is. you not be entertained? Uh, before that, I, I had Bam Adebayo penciled in because yeah. he's been who's so fun. Pick, what? I said, who's the pick, Wes? <laughs> I'm just my the whole roster. It's Eric Spolstra. Or is it, again, <laughs> is it Gabby Union again? <laughs> Gabrielle Union's Instagram. It's, uh, it's Justice Winslow. I just, I, they, they, Eric Spolster worked Winslow through so many different kind of roles this season, but towards the end really found out that um, we're going to bring him off the bench as our backup power forward behind James Johnson. Uh, And then in that second unit for a lot of times, he's going to run the offense. And that's been one of my favorite things to watch this year is just watching Winslow run the offense, 
have him having the ball, bring up the floor, occasionally set a screen and roll and then pass out, out of the roll, which is one of my favorite things in the NBA, uh, just because it could be so dangerous in a driving kickway. Uh, and then defensively, he always brings his, brings the energy. He is so good at defending without fouling, which is what I, I get so much joy from watching him just like get up into a guy's chest, just like an inch away from his face, and basically just say, "You're not getting by me," and no, I'm not. And you're not going to draw a foul on me either. So for me, it's Justice Winslow. It's a good choice. Um, I could see it. Uh, it's it's, um, it's we proved if nothing else that it's a very subjective award. Yeah, so I think you guys are hating on all my awards so far. Maybe I'm going to build some momentum with this one. Um, this last one went to like six different people. Like we don't, you know, we don't love to do that, Wes. You got you got to pick one sometimes. You know? <laughs> I just wanted to take the voters through the process. Um, <laughs> hey everyone, I hope you're subscribed to Locked On NBA. Yes, yes, yes. This is Locked On Heat, and we appreciate you subscribing and listening to this as always. But you're going to want to add Locked On NBA to your daily podcast playlist. Why? Because it's the only daily NBA podcast that's less than 30 minutes long and delivers the most important news, scores, and storylines of the day. It's bite-sized, it's consumable, it's ready to go every day for you. And make sure to listen on Tuesdays because that's when David and I are hosting. To get the latest episode every day, subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcasting app. Our next award here goes to... Most like Mario Chalmers, which, and we're calling this one the Rio Award. So who has been most like Mario Chalmers this season, Rohan? Let's start with you. Well, I, you know, it's a back-to-back for me, but James Johnson again. <laughs> yes. So as much as I love to watch James Johnson play, there's no denying there's a Rio-esque element to his game. Sometimes you just you wonder, what is he thinking? I think the issue with James Johnson is not that he's a bad basketball player or that he's like Mario Chalmers. I think he is someone who like is getting almost literally excited every time he has the ball and he sees the potential in five or six different ways he can attack. He's like, oh man, I can shoot this three, I can hit this pass, I can drive for this finger roll, I can do this dunk. I think he gets almost overwhelmed at all the options he has at his disposal that sometimes it ends up in a Rio-like play. So... Unfortunately, I got to give this award to my guy, JJ. Yeah, I, I, I'm uh, right there with you, Ron. And I think early on in the season in particular, when there were a number of, uh, of quickly whipped passes there to unexpected players, I think that's when we really saw the most Chalmers-like performance, to be honest with you. I, I think he's toned that down as the season progressed. But there are still moments there where he is, as you pointed out, wildly out of control, maybe a little too excited in the moment. But that's the thing about him, though, and, and what I like most about the comparison to Chalmers is that he does understand the moment. And it's funny, you know, going into this series with Philadelphia, the fact that, I mean, I expect him to do a really good job of defending Ben Simmons as well as anybody can. And I think that's what J.J. understands. For all that we talk smack about Rio, as much as we love him and everything else, he did play big and the biggest moments of, during his Heat tenure. And I think Johnson will do the same thing. I think he's going to embrace this moment being in the playoffs. It's been a while for him, and, and I think he's going to make the most of it. And, and that's what I like most about you know comparing him to Rio. Yeah. Can I say something real quick before Wes names half the roster? <laughs> Yes. Uh, yo, that Rio shot in game two of the Maverick series, an all-time forgotten heat shot. Yes. Yeah, good point. Look, I mean, we yeah. are here for all of the lauding of Mario Chalmers that we can do. Um, <laughs> so, and that's the reason we have this award. Uh, I've got James Johnson as well. Um, Ooh, not Gabby Union. All right, all right, guys. <laughs> um, so, I've, I, look, I love... Uh, 
I forget who said it, but kind of saying like um, James Johnson will kind of get overwhelmed by all the options. Rohan, you said that, right? He almost tries to do all of them at once sometimes. It's just yeah. like, I'm going to shoot this three while passing the ball and dunking at the same time. It just, it's, I, it, it's crazy. He's got that irrational confidence. Spolster likes to tell him, you're doing too much. Just make the easy play sometimes, which is, I, I feel like Spolstra, from his standpoint, coaches James Johnson from the same standpoint that he uh, coached Mario Chalmers, which might be why James Johnson played so well in his first season in Miami, because Spolstra was like, oh, this is basically bigger Mario Chalmers. I know how to coach this kind of player. Um, so it's got to be James Johnson. I don't think there's another option there. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's move on to our most improved award, which we're calling the Not Norris Cole Award. Rohan, who uh, do you have? I think we'll – I'm assuming we'll all be in agreement on this one, but i got to go with Josh Richardson. Yeah. Just, you know, we always saw the potential on defense, you know, where he took his game this year. I know Rob Mahoney and Zach Lowe both have him on their all-NBA uh, second-team defense. So it's good to see him get a little recognition as well. And offensively, I think there were large stretches of the season when – you know, Gorn was missing time when Dion first went out where they turned to Jay Rich and, you know, he's doing things like coming off screens and hitting mid-range pull-up jumpers and just doing all these things that in his first season in the league, I don't think we would have ever expected. Yeah, he had the three-point stroke, but he really, really brought, you know, new elements to his game on offense this year. And I think he's far and away the most. What do you think his ceiling, what do you think his comp is, like best-case scenario comp is? That's so tough. I, I think it's almost like poor man's Iguodala is how I would describe it. Is he not mm-hmm. a better shooter than Iggy, though? He's a, he is a better shooter. I don't think he'll ever be as good a defender. He has the length, but I don't think he'll have the strength to be as good of a defender as Iggy. Um, I think in his prime, Iguodala was a little bit of a better scorer, even if he was miscast in that role. Yeah. So I think he's a better shooter, but all around, he's just he falls slightly short of him as a player. But... If he's like the fourth or fifth best guy on your team, like you could have a really good team. Yeah, we, we've always compared him to Eddie Jones. I think that's the one that we've gone for a long time. And maybe it's a little too easy to make because, you know, they were both heat players. But between the length and the perimeter shooting and the scoring ability, I, it feels like a good comp. Um, but anyway. Is, is it crazy to say Paul George? Am I crazy? Like yes. best case? Like yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think a little bit. I think a little bit. I mean, maybe you guys are higher on Paul George than I am. But um, all right. David, who did you have? Well, I, I liked the Richardson selection, uh, but I've got to go with Wayne Ellington. Uh, he is my most oh. improved player for the year, just because I am all about players understanding their role and embracing it. And I think for Wayne, another year in Spolstra's system has really maximized what he brings to the team. And the fact that Miami has depended on him so much throughout the course of the season, too much, you could argue, but he's been able to save Miami season on a number of occasions. He did so against Toronto as well. You know, you can argue whether or not that was a good thing or a bad thing, but he's, he's stepped up to the moment. He's embraced his role. Uh, he's improved his shooting from three-point range from 37.8 to 39.2%, even as his three-point attempts rose from 6.4 to 7.5 per game. His three-point shots represent 83% of his total field goal attempts. So that's that's a man who understands what he needs to do He's out there to shoot. Uh, we've all heard the Breakaway podcast recently about how he's embraced his role here. A fantastic listen if you haven't heard it. I don't normally recommend other podcasts on our podcast, but that is one certainly worth checking out. I just – listening to it, and and one of our listeners pointed this out on Twitter asking whether or not Wayne would, would take a, a hometown discount – I know that's not going to happen, but I just love his fit so much. Like you talk about all the different players that have come in and out of the system here in Miami, 
and and he's embraced it so much. He's embraced the work and has really helped him so much in his career. I hope he gets paid a lot of money wherever he goes. I hope he stays, but I know that's not likely to happen. But he is my most improved player. I've got Hassan Whiteside. I'm just kidding. No. Oh, <laughs> Definitely not. Um, look, I, I think Josh Richardson's improvement from last season to this season has been a little overstated, uh, just particularly on offense. He's only, he averaged 10.2 points per game last year, 12.9 per game this year, he's, so barely 13 points a game. So it's not like he's become this 18 to 20 point per game scorer all of a sudden, even though he was in like December. But I've still got Josh Richardson. Um, he's pretty much elevated himself from probably in the middle of the pack on Miami's roster last season, if you were going to say, if you were going to rank the players to probably their best two-way player. Um, I've got to have Richardson there just because of, he has improved all the stats across the board. He is scoring a career high in points per game. No, he's a career high in assists per game, rebounds. Obviously the steals and the blocks are there too. Uh, but outside of the stats, you just watch him play and you could tell that there's more confidence there. There has been a, a significant improvement in what he feels that he is capable of. And so I think he's going to keep improving. He could he could just as well win this award next year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. Next one we have is the Eric Dampier slash Dexter Pittman Award for most disappointing player. Rohan, who do you have? Again, although this time we have to be in agreement, but it's got to be Hassan Whiteside. Just, again, it's the same cycles with him in terms of You know, it looks like he's finally starting to understand his role, as David loves to say. We love players who know their role. You know, it seems like he's finally understanding he should be a screener, he should be this or that. And then he morphs into the guy who's not giving effort on every possession, who's settling for jump shots, uh, who hijacks the offense. Uh, You know, when he's playing the way he was that last Sixers game, when he's going at Embiid, when he's fully engaged, the Heat become a different team. It's just unfortunate that, we have not seen a lot of that this season, so I, I think it's got to be Hassan. Yeah, you know, I, the thing about most disappointing is that you have to have high expectations in the first place, and Hassan, I don't expect crap from him. So he hasn't disappointed <laughs> me. So he, he just kind of proves every time that he is not worth, uh, you know, he's not I'm quite really, the player that we I, expect. I didn't have Whiteside either for the same exact reason, David. I, I've got actually surprisingly I have Josh Richardson as my most disappointing player what yes what? I look and I know he's taking a leap I also think he's the best player on the roster and best two-way player whatever you want to say um but I expected more from him I really did I think we we saw oh we wow. saw signs of that in the preseason and I need to see more aggression more consistency from him his defense has been stellar but there, that offense, there are still too many moments for me that I've seen throughout the first two years of his career where he kind of gets into his own head and he lacks that confidence. I like that he's willing to push through it more than he ever has, but there are still too many nights there where he is not as productive as he needs to be. Like, this is the next step for Josh. He's going to get paid a lot of money over the next few seasons. So for him, he needs to be a consistent scoring option, and he isn't at this point. Like, I know his points per game average is higher than it's ever been. That's great and all. He's taking more shots than ever. It's, it only makes sense. But he needs to knock those down at a higher rate. Uh, I just, it's not that I'm necessarily upset with who he is as a player, and I love him as a player and as a person, but at the same time, I expect more from him. So that's why he's disappointed me. I'm very surprised. Wow. Did you expect him to be an all star? Maybe not an all star, but I mean, is he a consistent scoring threat for this heat? No. Like he isn't, right? I mean, you can't you can't count on him even scoring more than 15 points per game. 
I, I mean, that's that's the, you know to me that's that's scary to think of that he might be the Heat's best player, and you don't know if you're going to get five points from him or twelve. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like that's that's not not very good either way. But that's the kind of player he is. I've got Tyler Johnson for this award. Um, Tyler Ooh. Johnson was probably the guy you could pick for most improved. Like you could make a solid argument for the last two or three years on the Heat for most improved. Um, you know, in his first year, he averaged six points a game. Uh, second year, he averaged 8.7. Third year, he averaged 13.7. So he's, he kept improving his scoring average by three or four points per game. But this year, only 11.7. His, his yeah. points per game came down by two points. Not only that, he's rebounding less. He doesn't, by almost a whole rebound a game, he's, he's averaging almost a whole assist fewer per game. He's not getting as many steals, 1.2 steals last year, 0.8 steals per game this year. He's not getting as many blocks. Um, and he's turn- and despite not assisting as much, he's still committing the same amount of turnovers per game. Um, he's that that drive and kick nature to his game that we started to see last season is gone. He's become basically a catch and shoot player, and maybe that's because of Miami's offense. But even then, he's only shooting thirty six percent, which is a career low. Thirty six point seven percent is a career low for him, even though he is averaging four point five attempts, which is a career high for him. But I just I haven't seen that improvement. And you look at him in, in the final year before his contract balloons to that nineteen million dollar figure, you were hoping he would make a bigger step towards being worth that. He was never going to be worth that money, but you would hope he would make a step forward to being that, and he just he hasn't. And uh, you can't necessarily blame him on injuries anymore. I think Tyler Johnson has this reputation for being injury prone. But the last two seasons he played seventy three games and seventy two games. You can't really ask for much more in today's NBA than that. Um so it's I don't think it's an injury issue. I just I don't I'm not sure what the problem is, but he just hasn't been able he's he's taken a step back instead of a step forward. So I've been I've been disappointed with his uh his season so far. Hmm. Uh, Man, remind me never to, you know, submit to your guys' high standards. <laughs> I'm going to be placed on the show yeah. next week. I, you, you've been on the show I'm so much, we don't have any high standards for you anymore. No, we know that now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get the white side treatment. I see. <laughs> um, our next award is the Shane Battier Award for Best Glue Guy. Rohan, who do you got? So I haven't given him an award yet, and I got to find a way to squeeze him in. So I'm going to go with Wayne Ellington. I just think the way he, he lifts everyone else with his performance, I think he kind of galvanizes the guys when they see his threes going in. Like David mentioned earlier, he saved the season so many times that I think, you know, the guys respond to that. I think they want to see Wayne succeed. I think it meant not not only a lot to him, but to everyone on the team's team break that three-point record. So I'm going with Wayne. I almost, yeah. I almost cheated in the first question for most Flames on Fire performance and just put Wayne Ellington's whole season there. Um, but I didn't want to cheat from right out the gate. So, uh, you know, just a, a one award to start cheating. <laughs> You, you like bending the rules a lot, Wes. I mean, we're starting to see that side of you here. Um, as far as the best glue guy, though, I, I went with Goron. Um, you know, to me, he's uh, kind of quiet, understated, but at the same time, I think he just goes and does his work. To, I mean, he's had such a long season, and and, and the way that everybody kind of rallied for him when he was leading the Slovenian national team in, in the Euro Cup this summer, I think that really kind of shows how valued he, he is among his, his peers there. Um, you know, kind of recently, he, like, spoke about – uh, Eric Spolstra's giving birth, you know, or his wife's giving birth as, as one of the hallmark moments of the season. And, it, you know, kind of putting into perspective that life is more than just basketball. And I think it's that kind of, you know, unique perspective that really keeps this team together. So maybe it's not the most vocal leadership, but I think it's quiet, understated, and effective nonetheless. Shout out to Eric and Nikki Spolstra. Should have gotten some love for best couple. That was our bad. 
Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so my glue guy is Kelly Olenek. Uh, he's, Ooh. There's a knack for him. He comes in. He, he shares the ball. He always makes the right play. He doesn't force his own agenda at any point, right? You never see, like, for example, Hassan Whiteside. You could tell he's thinking, I got to get a bucket here. I got to get I gotta get a shot up here. You know, you even see that from a guy like Dwayne Wade. You see that from most players, right? You never see that from Kelly Olenek. He takes what the, the game gives him. He works with his teammates probably better than any other player on the roster, which is why I have him for glue guy. He just gets everybody involved, and you love that. Um, he had a reputation going into the season when he signed with the Heat as a bad defender. I don't think he's been nearly as bad as his reputation has stated. I, I, he's been solid. He hasn't been the best center for them defensively, but he's been solid. Um, so I just I don't he doesn't take anything off the table to me um, when he comes in, other than maybe the rim protection, just because Whiteside is so good at that. Um, but for me, it's got to be Kelly Olenek. Uh, Interesting. Our next award is the Michael Beasley Award for highest ceiling. Rowan, who do you have for this? I'm going with Justice. I just think what he's done in the second half of the season. You know, I wonder if the Heat could have won more games if Spo had trusted Justice to close earlier in the season, which we weren't seeing a lot. Uh, I still think, you know, Justice, he, he has such a great all-around game. Uh, with, there was that a moment in that Raptors game where he defended DeMar DeRozan, got the rebound, led the fast break, found Ellington for three, and set the screen as he made the pass. They just don't have a lot of guys who can do that. He has physical tools that maybe guys like Tyler and Josh lack. So I still think Justice, you know, really came into his own down the stretch of the season. To me, that's been the most exciting part about this year was his positive development and kind of seeing the trajectory he can go on. I mean, obviously, the shooting I don't think is perfect, but we saw improvement, right? That's what we wanted. We saw improvement. So, yeah, he needs to make more layups, but I think Justice still has the highest mm-hmm. ceiling. Well, kind of uh, along the same lines I went earlier, Josh Richardson is the guy with the highest ceiling for me. I, I expect greatness from him, to be honest with you, and uh, and he has not lived up to that. But uh, there's still that potential there on offense and on defense. I think we saw the side of it defensively. We're starting to see some growth offensively. But at the same time, I expect more from him, and I think that's why he has the highest ceiling. So last year, uh, I sort of switched the award. Last year, I had most likely to be an all-star. There you go, bending the rules again. Just telling you what I had. Most likely to be an all-star last year. We all picked Hassan Whiteside, so we were all wrong. Um, but this year, So this year, I tried to do something else, and I wanted, to, I wanted to create highest ceiling. So I was split between Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson, and it really comes down to what you think the – like how you define the highest ceiling. Like who – who would be more likely to be an all-star? I think it would be Josh Richardson. And so, David, I think you would be right. But then at the other side of that, you know, who is who could be the best overall all-around player, a guy who could just contribute the most to winning? And I think that might be Justice Winslow. But I, I went with Josh Richardson here, just splitting hairs, just because I think he can be a leading scorer. I don't know that Winslow will ever do that. Um, and he, he has all NBA defense potential. I mean, he should be on the all NBA defense team this year. I really think he should be one of the four guards on that team. Um, so for that, I, I, I went with Josh Richardson, but Justice Winslow barely getting there. And let's some shout outs to Bam Adebayo. He looked good this year. I just I wanted to. to I'm not doing that thing where I name half the roster, but I just wanted to take a moment and talk about Bam Adebayo. Ron, what did you see from him that you liked this season or didn't like? I mean, I love Bam. I think what I liked the most was just his willingness to compete already on the defensive end. You saw obviously him switch out onto smaller guys. The way he took the challenge of guarding guys like. Joel Embiid and Anthony Davis, but let's not let Wes slide on claiming he didn't want to name half the roster again, but he named all the good young players in his answer. Meanwhile, David has like the same relationship with Josh Richardson as like the dude from Whiplash. 
don't know what has happened to you guys over the last few weeks, but like, man, this turned into a real serious get me results outfit. Very. I've, I've got a whole dresser full of black t-shirts that I wear very, very tight. <laughs> I just, I, maybe we're just feeling the pressure with the playoffs here. We're just not used to it. It's been a whole, it's been two years. <laughs> it's easier than ever to listen to Locked On Heat. You don't even have to use your hands. Now you can stream the show on your smart speakers, such as Amazon Echo or Google Home. It's easy. Here, I'll show you. Alexa, play the Locked On Heat podcast. Getting the latest episode of Locked On Heat. Here it is from TuneIn. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now it's that much easier to stay up to date on the latest episodes of Locked On Heat, the only daily Miami Heat podcast. Subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcasting app. Uh, we got two more awards. Let's go with uh, Best Defender slash the Alonzo Morning Award. The Zoe. Who gets the Zoe? Well, I don't want to offend David here, but I got to go with Josh Richardson. Uh, I think our, the really only realistic pick for all NBA from the Heat. I, just what he's doing. I mean, he's obviously got a wiry frame. He's got length. But, you know, there were a lot of times where when the Heat went small, he was forced to guard bigger guys, and he always gave him a challenge. He's someone who I think there's just so much trust in him on the defensive end, whether it's guarding point guards or small forwards or centers for the very brief moments. Uh, he's just showing so much potential on the end to get even better. So I think it's got to be Jay Rich. And the shot blocking. We haven't even talked about right? the shot blocking. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I did the same thing. So uh, don't worry about it, Ron. You're safe. Uh, you know, I just thought he, he has been exceptional. I mean, even on those nights when his, his shooting has struggled – like you could see him kind of make a, a greater effort on, on defense. And I think that really pay, has paid off for him. It's great to see that kind of recognition from national guys that he's played at, a, at such a high level because we see it all the time because we watch this team closely. But uh, I, I think it's well-earned, well-deserved. He's been exceptional on defense. And, and you're right about that versatility, being able to guard any number of players. Like we're expecting him to guard everybody from J.J. Redick to Dario Saric at some point during the series upcoming. And, and you know, that's the kind of versatility he has, and he's capable of handling that role. So I, I think it's great. I think he's been the team's best defender by a pretty wide margin, and that's impressive considering that you have James Johnson on there, who shows a lot of versatility as well, and of course Justice Winslow. Yeah, I almost went Winslow with it here um, because he does have um, the best defensive rating uh, on off. It's the big well. There's the biggest difference between his when he's on the court and off the court in defensive rating. But the, those statistics usually will favor guys like Winslow, and they're they're usually unfriendly to guards just because they they deal with so many guys that score. So I don't want to go too much into the the analytics with it, and so I went with Josh Richardson for one major reason because he gets so many steals and creates so many turnovers, and that and given that Miami's offense has struggled to score consistently all season long, that was so important to create easy baskets um, on offense for the Heat. That him, you know interrupting those passing lanes and and getting those uh and getting those tip balls and just being the, having the ability to get a steal and then take it down the other court and finish with a dunk or a layup was huge for Miami. I, I don't know how many transition points he finished with this season off of steals, but I it's probably leading the team, I would guess. And so for that reason I also went with Josh Richardson in addition to all the reasons that you guys said. Um yeah. okay, our final award. I'd be surprised if we all had the same person for this because I think it's this is really tough. Most valuable player. Who has been the Heat's MVP this season? Well, I know for a fact my answer is going to be different <laughs> than David's. Let me tell you that. Because I have Jay Rich for this one, actually. And here's why. I think, you know, 
you look at some of the Goran missed a lot of time, Dion missed a lot of time. It's obviously not Hassan. Uh, Justice's role was so different at the beginning of the season. I think the reason I go with Jay Rich, I just think back to those games in December, you know, when the team was dealing with a lot of injuries. The season really could have gone south quickly then. And they stayed afloat. And I think a huge part of that was Jay Rich, not only because of what he did defensively, but, you know, there were nights where he was the only offense, you know, and I know he didn't turn into Paul George or the Paul George LeBron hybrid that David <laughs> expects him to be, but. I just, I just think that there are so many nights where he, he carried the team and just his consistency. I mean, I know he's been a little bit worse here in the second half, but I, I just think that he was so important to the team this year. And, and there were so many games where, yes, you know, Wayne had the great shooting, but but Josh was really had to be the the focal point. And you know, it's tough because this is this really is a collective. It's hard to pick one guy, but I just think what Josh did, you know, night in and night out. Uh, made him kind of the most valuable player of this team. It's a good choice. I, I won't give you any grief for it, to be honest with you. I, I, I like it. I, I actually uh, did not go with Josh. I, I thought about it. Uh, I was leaning towards that. And then to me, it's just kind of, I went with my heart I, I, and I chose Goran Dragic as the team's MVP. The the first time all-star, I think he's been not their best player throughout the course of the year because there are still moments there where you're not sure what you're going to get out of Gorham. But I think in, in combination with that quiet leadership that I referred to earlier and his overall production, I think he's had a really, really good season. I don't know if necessarily the best one in comparison to Richardson, but I, I think the most, I don't know, productive. I'm, I'm not quite sure how to quantify. It just felt like the right choice to me. I mean, I'm he's sorry? been Miami's most consistent offensive player. You could you could say that, but there even then there have been nights where he has had really bad sure. shooting nights, you know. Um, so I, it, it was tough to make that choice, to be honest with you. I mean, you could you could have gone for the reasons that we talked about earlier, Wayne Ellington as a, as a guy who could have been the team's MVP, um, maybe even Wade for kind of re-energizing the the, the unit after you're he doing was my part. thing. You're just naming the entire roster. Um, I've got I've got the same guy I had for best glue guy. That's Kelly Olynyk uh, for my MVP because you look to your point, David. There's no consistent score on that roster, right? And so it's hard to just say, all right, this guy's averaging 24 points per game. He's obviously the leader. He's the MVP. Uh, chalk it up right now. It's just, it is always, every single game, every single night, it has required one or two guys to just step up, right? And so to me, I, I didn't, it, it was hard to pick one most valuable guy. So I went with the guy who is the glue guy, the best glue guy on the team. Just being able to keep everything together, keep everything from just going haywire. And to me, that was Kelly Olenek. There, there was such a noticeable difference when he was on the team. I mean, his, this Goran Dragic's stats when he shares the court with Kelly Olenek are so much better than when he doesn't. I mean, and that goes yeah. for so many other guys on the roster too. Uh, Kelly Olenek had the, high, the biggest difference between his on-off numbers and net rating. Um, the Heat were 4.9 points per 100 possessions better when he was on the court and minus 3.1 points per they were getting outscored by three points per 100 possessions when he's off the court so that's almost a eight point swing there uh which was by far the greatest on the team so i had olenic i mean he the most consistent just from what he was able to do the, the things i explained when he for the glue guy award that never changed he was always a ball mover he was always a facilitator he was always at least an average defender that was always there and i think that he really came to rely on him and you saw that because he was often the guy in at the end of games over hassan Whiteside. So to me, my MVP was Kelly Olenek, amazingly enough. Yeah, sounds good. Um, Olenek's a good pick. I mean, he led the team in plus minus. 
Thanks. Some great audio. I I, I oh, like sorry. You're saying you don't like mine, though, right? I mean, that's that's the underlying statement there, right? <laughs> I didn't all love right, yours. I'm going to be honest. Fine. So it would have been better if you wanted Grant Allington. Um, all right. Well, that's that's our end of season superlatives. Obviously, we have the whole postseason now to uh, to see if these bear out, um, like what we said. But uh, Rohan, we appreciate your time here. We know you got to go, uh, but thanks. Any, cl- any closing remarks? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to come on anytime. I just, you know, you guys really ratcheted up the intensity today. I was caught a little off guard by it. I hope I was able to match it. And I well, just hope that the playoff you guys kind of don't hold it. That's when the intensity you know? gets ratcheted up. You're right. The, the podcast slow down a bit, you know, in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't feel you embracing the moment enough, Ron. I mean, you got to understand it. You know, you got to put everything. In, you got to be in the present here. You know, you got to be mindful of where you're at. I didn't. I didn't this podcast was for competitors only. You know, I thought it was a fun it's place. To locked on, out, not kind of you know wandering through or meandering about. You know, it's, <laughs> well, tell that to Wes every time he's picking an award, man. That's all we have for today. We'll be back tomorrow with a recap of Game 2. You can send mailbag questions and ask about advertising on the show by sending an email to LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Tweet your questions and comments for our recaps using the hashtag AskLOHeat and support the show by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash LockedOnHeat. Music is courtesy of Mojave Wild. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.